I'm aware that it's very hot today. I'm so sorry about that. For this Sunday, uh, you see that orange Connect card in front of you. Ignore its original purpose. Lean forward, fold it in half, use it as a fan, okay? Just do what you need to do today to keep cool. Because how many people know that when you get warm, then you get sleepy, and then all of a sudden you're snoring in the Word of God. And you don't want to be that person this morning, so please feel free to use the Connect card. Uh, Is that all good? Oh my gosh, next year is 2020, tomorrow is 2024. Can you believe it? This is the last day of 2023 and you chose to spend it in the house of God. So thank you so much for coming and joining with us and let's just pray together, shall we? Lord, we thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. And we truly believe, God, that your word guides us. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that you would guide us according to your word. Lord, I pray for the people in the house today who have come seeking direction. And I pray in the name of Jesus that your word alongside your spirit would give us the direction and guidance we need. But I pray over this church today that we would not just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers of the word. I pray that the fruit of your your word today would be changed lives tomorrow because we don't just hear it, we go away and we do it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. All right, let's read the Word of God together. John 11, verse 33 to 36 on the screens, or you can grab it in your Bibles. No one lights, this is Jesus speaking, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. God bless the reading of His Word. Can I be honest with you, church? Sometimes when I read the sayings of Jesus or when I read my Bible, I think to myself, Jesus, that is so profound that you've lost me. Have you ever felt like that? When you've read the words of Jesus, you've thought, Jesus, my goodness, that sounds good. You're like, that sounds important. That sounds like something I should remember. That sounds like something I've been, I should be moved by. But the reality is, you've lost me. I've no idea what you're trying to say in this portion of Scripture. It sounds important. It sounds great. But honestly, Jesus, I'm not following. And the reason that I say that is that when I came across this text in my Bible reading a couple of months ago, I had that sort of response. I remember writing in my journal, God, I think that this is important, but I'm not entirely sure why. I'm not entirely sure what you're trying to say to me through this text. Jesus, it sounds great, but I'm not 100% sure why it's so profound. Can I encourage you this morning in your Bible reading that every time you have a reaction like that, where you're like, oh, it sounds good, but I'm not following. That is your opportunity to dive deeper. So 
many times in our Bible reading, when we read something that we don't quite connect with or we don't understand, we have the sort of response to just kind of like gloss over it. We're like, yes, amen, keep it moving. But can I encourage you that every time you read something, you're like, that doesn't seem to make sense. Or I don't really understand that. That is an invitation from God to you to dive deeper, to discover a bit more about God's character, to discover a bit more about yourself. And that's what I'm going to do in the text with us today. I want to show you how to dive deeper into a text in a way to uncover its true meaning because the true meaning of this text, can I just tell you, incredibly, incredibly challenging. See, so many of us have a desire to go deeper into the Word of God. We have a desire to dig deeper and to grapple, but our biggest problem is we don't quite know how. Can I encourage you that in your Bible reading, one of the greatest questions that you can ask of the text is very simple. Why? That's all you do. You become a toddler who loves the word why, and you just keep asking of the text, why, why, why? Today, I want to show you how four whys unlock the meaning of this text in a way that I think you're going to find incredibly challenging and hopefully relevant to your life. And so I'm going to ask these four why questions. Are you ready? The first one is very simple. When we look at a text like this, we ask the question, why did Jesus tell the story? Like, why is he even sharing this parable, this illustration at all? And the way that we answer that question is we read what we call the literary context. In other words, you read around the text. You read the verses that came before. You read the verses that come afterwards. You read the surrounding story to try and figure out what is the occasion that made Jesus respond with this story, with this illustration. And so for this text, this movement of Scripture actually begins at verse 14. I'm going to read it out to you. This is what it says. It says, Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. And when the demon left the man, the man who had been mute spoke. And listen to the response of the crowd. The crowd had three responses. The crowd was amazed. But then some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. And others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. So this scripture tells us that Jesus is with the crowds. And every time you see that word crowds, it's describing a mixed group. Within that group are people who are genuine disciples. There are people who are followers of Jesus. But there are also people who are on the fence. They're like deciding, do I believe in Jesus? Do I believe He is who He says He is or not? And then we also know that present among this crowd was scribes and Pharisees who were the religious sort of elite of the day. And Luke tells us that there are three responses to this miracle, this mighty work of Jesus driving out a demon. It says some in the crowd, they were amazed. They were filled with wonder. That was their response. But it says that there were others in the crowd who criticised the miracle. They said, no, 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 it's not the power of God that's at work here. It's actually, He's doing this by the powers of darkness. How many people know that when God puts His supernatural power on display, there are always those amongst who criticise? 
there are always those amongst who criticise the origins of that supernatural work. There is today, there was back then. Still, there is another group who they say their response to the miracle is they test Him. And they test Him by essentially saying this, this mighty work, this sign that you have just done, Jesus, it's not enough to get us to believe in you. So we want another sign. One crowd, three different responses. Interestingly, this text is also included in Matthew's gospel, but Matthew doesn't include the passage that I just read out about the light and the lamp. But he does include the detail that the people who are criticizing and the people who are asking for a sign are the scribes and Pharisees. Important detail, they are the religious people of the day. And as the scripture goes on from verse 14, Jesus addresses both the groups who are criticizing the miracle and he also addresses the group who are asking for a sign. So he addresses the group who are criticizing the miracle by saying, look, do you really think I'm driving out a demon by the power of a demon? This is where he talks about how a house divided against itself cannot stand. That's the origin of that teaching. It's a response to those who are criticizing the miracle. And then he goes on to address the group who are asking for a sign. And that is the portion of text that our passage falls into today. When Jesus talks about the light and the lamp, He is addressing those who are saying, we've seen you do a lot, Jesus, but what you've done is not enough. We need something more. We need a sign. Because that's what a sign is. It's a visual action or a visual mark that contains an unmistakable message. And here, essentially what the Pharisees are saying, they're saying, Jesus, we've not seen enough proof. We've not seen enough proof to believe that you are who you say you are, that you are the Son of God, that you are the Messiah. We've not seen enough proof to surrender our lives to you. And so we're asking for more. We're asking for us. Have you ever asked for a sign? Have you ever asked God for a sign? Come on, somebody, this is where this is intersecting with us. We're not just talking out here, we're talking in here. Have you ever asked God for a sign? Have you ever asked God, you're like, God, I'll do this, but only if you give me one more sign. I remember, no, I'm not going to out you, sorry. Not today. New year, new me. No more outing Don publicly, all right? Illustrations just about myself from now on, Okay. What self-control, thank you, Jesus, that I'm manifesting. Have you ever asked for a sign? You're like, God, I'll, I'll surrender that thing, but only if you give me a sign. I'll walk that way. I'll deal with my heart. I'll let go of that bitterness. I'll release forgiveness. I'll call that family member. I'll quit my job. I'll ditch that relationship. But only, Lord, only if you give me a sign. Essentially, what we're saying is the same thing that the Pharisees are saying. We're like, God, I don't have enough proof to be obedient. And so you need to give me something else. I'm asking for a sign. Sounds reasonable, doesn't it? 
All right, let's look at Jesus' response, shall we? You know where this is going. Luke 11, verse 20, 29, this is what it says. As the crowds increased, Jesus said, get this, this is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Ooh, that's quite the response from Jesus. Jesus is essentially saying, he's like, yeah, nah, not today. We are not, we're not doing this sign thing. We're not doing more proof. And so this gives us the second question, doesn't it? Why is no sign given? Why is Jesus' response so emphatic? And he tells us this illustration to tell us why no sign is given. So let's read our passage for today again. Verses 33 to 36. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your whole body is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a light shines, a lamp shines its light on you. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying in order for you to see light, you need two ingredients. You need a light source but you also need a healthy eye. Two ingredients enable you to see light. If there's no light source, in other words, if you're in the dark, you're not going to be able to see light. But likewise, there could be the presence of a light source, but if your eye was unhealthy, you wouldn't be able to see the light. This is what Jesus is saying. He's like, I've come to earth and I have put my light on display. Jesus is saying my life, my ministry, my teachings, my miracles, they have been put front and centre. They have been put centre stage. You don't have a light problem because my light is on display for all to see. What you really have is an eye problem. That's what Jesus is saying. He's like, you're out here criticising me, saying I haven't put my light, my glory, my miracles, my teaching on display. He's like, don't trip. I've been walking around every day. You could have come and seen me anytime. He's like, the problem isn't that you don't have enough light. The problem is that your eye is unhealthy. Friend, every time you start asking God for a sign, you need to ask yourself this question. Do I have a light issue or do I have an eye issue? Am I asking for a sign because I have a light issue or am I asking for a sign because there is unhealth in my eye? Do I have a light issue or do I have an eye issue? Because have you ever noticed that suddenly you see differently when your perspective changes? See, one of the interesting things is, is that in this text, that word good eye, or excuse me, healthy eye, other translations put it good eye. 
And what is very clear about this text is actually Jesus is not talking about the physical health of an eye. Like he's not talking about you if you're short-sighted or you wear glasses or you have cataracts or anything. He's not talking about the physical health of the eye. He's talking about something else. And actually there was a Jewish proverb that Jesus would have known about and is probably referencing here when it talked about how a man with a good heart was a generous, excuse me, a good eye was a generous person. In other words, the proverb was talking about the eye, but it meant the heart. So when Jesus is saying, friends, do you have a light issue or an eye issue? What he's really asking you is what's the condition of your heart? Because have you ever noticed that the condition of your heart becomes the lens through which you view life through? Have you ever noticed today, you know, uh, that how amazing it is, how different someone can look on the other side of a change in heart? It's amazing how different that friend looks once you've forgiven them, isn't it? It's amazing how different your spouse looks once the misunderstanding is cleared up. It's amazing how different people look when you begin healing from bitterness. It's amazing how different the church looks once you begin the journey of healing from church hurt. It's amazing how different a situation looks when you have a change in heart because a change in heart always results in a change in perspective. And so the question again that this text begs of us is if it was a heart problem that was stopping them seeing the light, what's the heart problem? Or to put it as a why question, why are they asking for a sign in the first place? And friends, if you are asking God for more proof, if you are asking God for another sign, this is the question that you must ask yourself. Why am I asking for a sign in the first place? Why do I need a sign to be obedient? Why do I need a sign to surrender? Why do I need a sign to follow God? Why am I asking for a sign in the first place? What you are asking about is the condition of your heart. Why am I asking for a sign? Why do I need more proof? And this is where it is really important to remember that the group of people who were asking for a sign were the Pharisees. They were the Pharisees. And if you've come to church for any length of time, you've probably heard this group talked about. What the scribes and the Pharisees were in Jesus' time, they were like the spiritual elite. They were the religious people of the day. If you bumped into an everyday, ordinary Jewish person and you said to them, who is the most spiritual person in society? Who are the most well-behaved? Who are the holiness, holiest? Who are the most likely to get into heaven? Their impression was that it was the scribes and the Pharisees. They were like the religious zealots. They were the elite. They were on top of the spiritual heap, if you liked it. They were esteemed and respected by the people. In other words, they were the main beneficiaries of a system that Jesus came to turn upside down. 
They were the main beneficiaries of a system that Jesus was coming to topple. Because Jesus wasn't making it about outside performance anymore. He was making it about the condition of the heart. See, the Pharisees, and this is what I want you to get today, the Pharisees thought that the system that they were living under was working for them. They thought it was benefiting them. They had no incentive or desire to want it to change. And so Jesus was upsetting to them because here Jesus is and he's coming and challenging the system, challenging this thing that they believe or perceive they're benefiting from and they don't want to hear it. And this is the amazing thing about all this. Because what that means is when they come to Jesus and they ask for a sign, friend, they are not genuinely seeking. They are not looking for a reason to change. They're looking for a reason to stay the same. And this is where this gets super challenging. Because friend, if you are in this place asking for a sign, what you really need to ask yourself is, Am I looking for a reason to change or am I looking for an excuse to stay the same? Have I bought in to the understanding that the status quo, what I currently have, is better than anything that Jesus could offer me? Because that, friend, that is the reality of the text. So you and I need to face up to the reality that sometimes we don't ask for a sign because our motive is we want to change. Sometimes we don't ask for, the, for a sign because we want to surrender. Sometimes we don't ask for a sign because we want to be obedient. Sometimes we ask for a sign because the truth is we don't. And we're not looking for an excuse to surrender to obey, to lay ourselves down and change. We're looking for a reason to stay the same. Do you know, actually, even more than that, the Pharisees were using this test, this asking for a sign, not just as an excuse to say the same. They were looking for it and looking at it as an opportunity to accuse or condemn Jesus. If you don't do this for me, God, I'm walking away. Oh, it's too real for the 31st of December, eh? It's too much. I'm so sorry. (laughs) If you don't do this for me, God, I'm walking away. If you don't walk in the way, if you don't move, God, in the way I'm asking you to move, I'm walking away. Friend, that asking for a sign is not coming from a heart that says, God, I want to obey. That asking God is coming from a heart that says, I want to stay the same. And I'm looking for an excuse to. See, every time we're in that position of asking God, God, I haven't got enough proof. God, I need more. God, I need more. God, I need more. Stop analyzing the light and start analyzing the heart. Am I looking for an excuse to stay the same? This is what it says in Luke 11, 35. He says, see to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Hear me this morning. Friend, when you think the status quo is better than what Jesus could offer you, then we have mistaken the darkness for light. 
when you truly believe that the status quo, that your direction for your life, that the everyday and ordinary is better than what the Son of God could extend and offer to you, friend, I'm telling you, you have accepted less than what you were created to have. You are seeing the darkness as if it is the light. If the band would like to come. Now, I'm not pretending today that offering up the status quo uh, is easy. I'm not pretending today that this is an easy word to hear or an easy word to accept. It certainly wasn't for the scribes and the Pharisees. If you read the text, you will know that Jesus has very, very harsh words for the scribes and the Pharisees, and accepting his teaching would have meant that they had to do a whole lot of heart work. They had to accept a teaching where Jesus said that their hearts were like whitewashed tombs. They would have had to accept a teaching that said their religion was just an outward appearance, just a facade. It wasn't reflective of what was happening on the inside. This wasn't an easy teaching to accept. And Luke 11 tells us why. He says in verse 36, therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. See, when Jesus is talking about the light shining on you, he's not talking about the type of lighting that you only get in a photo shoot. You know, when you have a photo shoot and the type of lighting they give you is the lighting that illuminates the good and hides the bad, you know? It's photo shoot lighting. Can I just tell you that when you come to Jesus, that is not the sort of lighting that he offers you. Jesus doesn't offer you the lighting that illuminates the good and hides the bad because Jesus doesn't accept half of you. He calls all of you. And when you come to Jesus, it's not just light that shows you only the good. It's light that exposes the bad so that you can bring that to him too and see that redeemed. See, the thing about following Jesus, it's not like a half commitment. And if you've thought of that or that it's just a Sunday commitment, friend, you have undersold what this person of Jesus, who this person of Jesus is and what he can do for you. Jesus is a whole life, a whole heart, a good, bad, ugly, everything in between commitment. Jesus sees everything. Jesus gets everything. It's a whole heart a whole life commitment. And for the Pharisees, that would have been hard because they were trying to hide the heart, not expose the heart. They were trying to hide the whitewashed tombs that their heart had become. They were trying to hide the fact that they were in the religious game for a sense of pride or a sense of personal self-worth. They were trying to hide all that. And so ultimately they are confronted with Jesus' teaching and they walk away. And this is what you need to understand about the teaching of Jesus' church. The teaching of Jesus is confrontational. And what I mean by that is it forces you to make a decision. Am I in or am I out? Because there's no such thing as lukewarm in the kingdom 
of God. And this is what this teaching is showing us. It's holding up a a mirror to our face. And it's saying, look for a second at the condition of your heart. Is your heart asking for a sign? Because the reality is you're looking for an excuse to walk away. Or is it's asking for a sign? Is this teaching confronting you and saying, today, today is my chance to go all in. And that brings us to the final why of the text. If this change is so hard, <laughs> why change it all? And this is what it says in Luke eleven twenty nine verse 32 to 32. It says, as the crowds increased, Jesus said, this is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites, so also will the son of man be to this generation. Says the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment at judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. And now something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. If you're in this place and you're asking, why change? Why go from my preference? Why put aside the status quo? The answer is actually very simple. Because something greater is here. Because someone greater is here. Because friend, do not be sold the lie that your status quo, that the preference of your flesh, that the plan that you wrote for your life, please do not be sold the lie that that is better than Jesus Christ manifesting in your life. Because friend, it's not. See, the simple reason why we obey when we're confronted is because I'm convinced that Jesus is better. The reason that we put aside the preference of our flesh is simple. I've met the goodness of God and I know it's better. The reason I choose His path when it differs from the path that I would have gone is because I've tasted and seen and I know Jesus is better. The reason that I surrender, even when my flesh is telling me not to, is because I've met the lover of my soul and I know that he's better. See, the reason that we return to the place of obedience, the reason we return to the place of surrender again and again is simple. I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good, that the something greater is not up here. He's down here and He's offering me an opportunity. That's the simple reality. Friend, I'm not trying today to sell you on a religious system. I'm not trying to make you do something that you want to, don't want to do. I'm reminding you today that he who was is he who is, and it's he who is still to come, and he is the something greater. And so if you're grappling in this place, can I encourage you, take another look at Jesus. See the Saviour on the cross again. See the Saviour who rose again, again. Again. 
See Him high and lifted up. Because the only reason that we decide again and obey again and move again and surrender again, the only reason is because something greater is here. And He's greater than my preference and He's greater than my flesh and He's greater than my wisdom and He's greater than my plan and He's greater than my ways. And so every time He calls, the response is simple. Not based on what He's calling me to do, but based on the one who's calling me to do it. And so if you're in this place, friend, this is your moment. If you have been sitting on a decision, God has been calling you to do something and you you know even now what it is and you've been sleeping on it. You've been sleeping on it. You've been delaying the surrender, delaying the phone call, delaying the working on your heart, delaying laying down your life. If you're in this place and you're saying, I've been sleeping on obedience. This is your reminder that what you're called to do is not about the doing, it's about the one who's calling you to do it. And he's greater. So why wait till 2024? You've got an opportunity to make the decision today. There are those of you here in this place, you need to leave church today and you need to make a phone call. Hear me today, I feel this from the Lord. There are those of you here, you need to make a phone call to a family member who you have been estranged from for years. And the outcome of this message is, and the Lord has been, you're not because the Lord has been speaking to you about calling and reconciling. The outcome of this message is I'm not gonna delay that phone call when I leave this place. I'm picking up the phone and saying, I'm so sorry for what happened. I'm so sorry that this has gone on, but I wanna reconcile with you. This is your obedient move today. But from wherever you are, if you've been sleeping on obedience, look your eyes again to the Creator because it's time again as a church that we say yes. Yes to the new obedience. Yes to the fresh surrender. Yes to walking in wholehearted commitment to Jesus. There are others of you and the decision you need to make is to go Jesus' way. You've been feeling the call of the Saviour to say, come home, come home, come back to relationship with me. Friend, don't wait to 2024. Make the decision today. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, if that's you, if you've never walked in step with Jesus and you're feeling Him calling you today to make Him the Lord and Saviour of your life, in a moment, I'm gonna count to three. And if that's you, you're saying, today I need to give my life to Jesus. What I want you to do is at the end of that count to three, just raise your hand as high as you can. Say, today I'm making it, I don't need another sign. I can see the goodness of God and the love of God towards me. I don't need another sign. And so I'm making the decision to go Jesus' way today. If that's you, I'm gonna count to three. This is your moment. One, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand. Thank you, God bless you. 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 Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you, God bless you. Thank you. Awesome. Church, would you repeat this prayer after me? Especially if you raise your hand, but just so you know, This prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. But this prayer is just an expression of you saying, today I'm putting my trust, my faith in the hands of Jesus. So let's pray this together. Say, dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner in need of a Saviour. Today I give my life to Jesus, holding nothing back. I turn from sin. I follow you.
Thanks to you, I'm free in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Church, can we congratulate those?